Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. We are glad you're here. We are summarizing, concluding the series this weekend, and I'm glad you're here to be a part of it. And those of you who are watching online, I hope the series has blessed you. It has certainly impacted my life. And Rob, I think the amazing thing for me is to have heard all the stories and continue to hear the stories of people in our church that are just going through stuff, <laughs> that are just dealing with issues. And uh, we, we talk about this every week. Everybody is going through something or everyone has been through something. And the whole point of the series is try to find a way to actually grow through the things that we're all going through. And I hope we've been able to give you a few things that'll help you hang your hat on and help you deal with the stuff that's, uh, that's happening in your world. Well, again, Bill, we just wanna thank you so much for your example by being transparent and, and, and telling those, your story. And... Thank you. I've been, I've been here for almost 13 years now. Gosh, that's crazy. It's crazy, and it's, been, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure, and uh, it's great to have your friendship and your leadership. And, and uh, when I think about how you lead, um, I think of uh, what Peter said in 1 Peter 3 when he said, be ready to give an account for the hope that's in you. And uh, what Peter was talking about was the fact that the first century Christians were the most persecuted, went through the worst things of anybody on earth. But he said, you have hope because of the fact of Jesus Christ. And through everything you've gone through, you have been the example of hope. You've, you've had faith. And I think this is why this series has been so incredible is because of, of you being able to be transparent and show this to the church gives all of us hope, no matter what we're going through, that we can get through this. So again, thank you so thank much. You, for- thank you, Thank you. To be honest with you, I've resigned several times through the series. I just didn't tell anybody about it. <laughs> It's just been a very tough thing that, uh, that we've navigated through because when you try to you pull a few pages out of your life and share that in terms of helping people understand, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do. And so many of you, like I said, who've shared your stories with me, it's just been amazing. I look out across this room this morning as I did the two earlier, uh, earlier services and everyone has a story. And many of you, I know your stories. And uh, we, we have a connection with each other. We may not know each other on, a, on, a, on a, a, a huge level, but we have a connection with each other in that we're all going through something mm-hmm. or we've been through something. That's a connection that we have, absolutely. And everybody sees it. Yeah, and, right. And you know, because our life, you were talking about that, that our life is yeah. on display. Yeah. You were saying that. Oh, that's true. First Corinthians 4, 9, we talked about that at the 930. The Bible uh, talks about, Paul was writing and he says, uh, we've been made a spectacle. Uh, to angels and to our fellow man. And the word spectacle is interesting. It's from the Greek word theatron. We get the word theater from that word, meaning that you and I are living our lives on a stage. Uh, Angels are looking in at how we live, according to what Paul wrote, and our fellow man is looking in on how we live. Have you ever thought about your life being examined by other people? We talk about having influence, Do you know the word influence comes from the idea of inflow? It's the idea of two smaller tributaries flowing into a river and creating a current. Did you know your life has a current? Somebody is caught in the current of your life. 
It may be your child, it may be your grandchild, it may be a friend or a spouse, but you influence someone. And I think, Rob, with all that we've talked about and what we've gone through, uh, is I've, I've been cognizant of the fact that, man, my, our kids are watching how we handle things, you know? Uh, now I've got grandkids that are watching how you handle things. So when you hit those dark moments and you hit those times when you want to quit, you just remember, there are people counting on you. Yes. Sometimes, you know what I've learned? You've got to play hurt. You've got to play hurt. Uh, and so I, you just cowboy up. <laughs> you just say, I will not stop. I will not quit. I will not give in. I'm not going to give out. The devil can't stop me. God won't stop me. Right. So we're just going to determine to get through this, right? right. We're going to hang together or we'll all hang alone. <laughs> so let's just, let's hang together. Hang yeah, that's kind of how we get through it. We're all seeing it. And, and I'm so glad that actually, and I think uh, Billy and Whitney, you've been a part of this too, that he doesn't wear the mom jeans anymore. You see that in what? those pictures? My mom you jeans? You had those mom jeans well, on so those pictures. Well, they were so comfortable. You could pull like those going, puppies up. <laughs> I was seeing that in the video, and I'm going, you got a mom jeans Dude, I'm, I'm loving Samsonite now. That's a nice <laughs> <I just> flex. <laughs> I said, I'm doing that. But you got Thank looking, you for pointing that you're out. You're looking I really... sharp. You're looking sharp now. You're Thank looking you. sharp. You're Thank looking you. sharp. Hey, it worked for Obama. It was a good look for him. So I, you know I, what I'm saying? But also, but also, being on stage, um... See, I handle this one. Uh, guess whose birthday it is today? Oh. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. I am, uh, I'm 50 now. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's hard to believe how quick that happened. No, good Lord, I'm 60 years old. Yeah. Good night. Oh. Had somebody, I had somebody tell me, Hey, but 60 is the new 40, right? It's the new 40. Let me tell you something. It ain't the new 40. <laughs> Let me tell you what 60 is. 60 is 60. Six, oh, and by oh, I mean ouch. It is oh. I, I, get, I get out of my truck every now and then. I'm, let me digress here. I get out of my truck every now and then. My knee will start hurting. It's the craziest thing. Then it'll quit hurting. And then I'm walking around. My hip starts hurting. I'm like, for the love of God, what's happening? So I finally tell my doctor, man, this is weird to say. My knee hurts. And all of a sudden it quits. My hip starts hurting. He goes, Bill, you're getting old. I looked at him and said, well, you're fat. You know? <laughs> right? Good Lord, man. <laughs> Cut a brother some slack. <laughs> uh, anyway, there you go. Thank you for that. That's I appreciate that. That's it. Okay. Where are we at? I don't know. <laughs> Let's pray and leave. Y'all for that? <laughs> You'll beat the Presbyterians at the cafeteria if we do. Anyway. That's it. Amen. Well, today we're actually wrapping up this series, No Pain, No Gain, and we're talking about how pain maximizes us. It maximizes That's me. That's what it was. We're talking about that. And to realize that God truly is doing what this series is about, is that God is growing you through what you're going through. And yeah. to do that, we're going to talk about a, a character in the Bible that really, I think, kind of shows that progression more than yeah. anybody else. Yeah. And uh, today we're talking about Joseph. And uh, not the Joseph that we'll be talking about in a few weeks because it's close to Christmas. Nobody panic, but we're actually getting close yeah, to Christmas. That's scary. Uh, but the one back in Genesis, yeah. so the, the first one you come to when you start reading your, your Bible. And uh, Joseph's got a very interesting story. But he does. 
but he but God maximizes yeah, it. Yeah, when you when you first read about him, as we're gonna just touch on some highlights in his story and try to relate to that, you, you see he's a seventeen year old young man. And what's incredible about him is he comes out of probably one of the most dysfunctional families in the Bible. So if that gives anybody some hope that you can be a great person out of a very dysfunctional family, he certainly was. His father was distant. Uh, his dad was, uh, was, was um, deceitful. In fact, Jacob's name means deceiver. Can you imagine hanging that name on a kid? I'm gonna call my kid Deceiver. <laughs> Time to come in to, for dinner, Deceiver. You know, <laughs> and of course he lives up to his name. He was deceitful, and so he marries a woman who favors Joseph over her other children. So you had a mother who smothered. So you have a deceitful dad, a smothering mother, uh, and then you had these crazy brothers that hated him. I mean, they hated Joseph because his father favored him and his mother smothered him and they all hated and resented him. So here's this dysfunctional family, Rob. He comes out of that and yet he ascends to one of the most powerful positions in the then known world. And God used this incredible young man in a phenomenal way. But guys, the path to the palace was a pathway of pain. And oftentimes the path to promotion in your life is a painful path as we're gonna see this morning. Now, this takes place over about 13 chapters, starting in Genesis 37, so we can't actually go through the whole thing, so we're going to skip through this. But we find out that what happens again, like what Bill was saying, that, that here we have Joseph, his brothers can't stand him because he is his father's favorite, mm-hmm. and uh, we find out that the reason why he's his father's favorite is because he's the son of his favorite wife, and that's the first problem, is the fact <laughs> that men don't have a favorite wife, just make sure the one you have is your favorite, okay? That's, that's how you have to <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. The one you have is your favorite wife. But it was his favorite wife, and so he favored him. Yeah. And what we see is, is Joseph has this dream, and his dream, and he tells it to his brothers that one day they're all going to bow their knee to him. So they can't stand him already. Okay, they can't stand him already. And now he's saying, guess what? One day I'm going to reign over you. So they come up with this idea. You know what? We just got to get rid of this guy. He's just making our life miserable. We don't like him. We just don't Mm want to be a part of him. So what they do is they take him and they throw him in a pit and they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. But before they do that, they're having lunch and they start talking And they come up with a different plan. And this is what happens. Here we are. And it says, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother. I mean, why should we kill our brother, right? You know I mean? Haven't that nice of them? (laughs) Our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, the brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him. To Egypt. Mm. And this is the first thing we see in the story of, of Joseph is the fact that he's got a big problem. And that's mm. what we all have to look at because we all are going to face problems. Jesus said this in, in uh, John 16, 33, that in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He didn't say it was a possibility you'd have trouble. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. So what we have to understand is it's not whether we're going to have trouble or not. It's how we respond to it. And that's what you've got to look at in your life, that when you have problems, how do you respond? And that's one of the things that I've seen with you through the years Mm -hmm. is the fact that you've responded the way you need to respond when you face troubles. Well, you know, Rob, the, the, the thing that's striking about Joseph and how he responded to that, to your point, is that he realized that, remember he's 17 when this is going on. He realizes that everyone in your life doesn't always have the best interest in your life. I mean, the people closest to him, the people, his brothers, were using him to get something out of him. 
One of the hardest lessons of life you'll, you'll learn, and sometimes you learn it early on, is not everybody has your best interests. Um, that there are people in your life that are only with you for what they can get out of you. Mm -hmm. And as long as uh, you are doing something for them or you can help them, then they'll be around. Uh, but the minute you can't benefit them anymore, you can't help them anymore, they're gone. We call them what, fair weather friends, right? Mm -hmm. Joseph was learning that the brothers said, let's get, oh, wait a minute, we can make something off of him. So let's let him stay around because we can get something out of him. So this was a hard lesson of betrayal. This was a hard uh, lesson that he was learning at 17 years old. That's awfully young. But you know what's incredible about that, Rob, is Joseph doesn't get his theology, his view of God from his circumstances. Yes. Now, you have to be careful forming your theological position from your circumstances. Or, or, or you'll do this. You'll say, things are going good in my life, so God must really be pleased with me. Because if, if you infer that things are going good, therefore God must be pleased with you, then what are you going to view when things aren't going good? So now you will naturally say, well, God must not be pleased with me, right? And so you can't get your theology from your circumstances. Here's what I've found in my life. Whether my circumstances are good or bad, God is always good. Amen. Whether my circumstances are good or bad, God is always faithful. Whether things are going great for me or the bottom is falling out in my world, God is consistent. Amen. Here's something I've hung on to a lot. I'll give it to you. He cannot fail. He can't fail. It's not possible for God to fail. So man, when you're connected to him, and, and you're gonna see as Robert goes through the story, you're gonna see how many times, you, just notice the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. God was holding on to this kid through every experience of his life. That's remarkable, that's Rob. It is, and that's, I think that's the thing that we all have to understand. It's how we respond. His brothers, when they faced a problem because they thought their brother was a problem. Right. And what they did, they took matters in their own hands, and mm -hmm. this is what came of it. Yep. But what Joseph did the entire time is the fact that, that in his problems, he kept looking to God, and that's where we're gonna pick up the story. And it says this, it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And that is so important, just like what Bill was talking about, is here we see that, that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, most of you would be thinking that same thing. Well, how was he with him if he was allowing him to be sold into slavery? And the thing that you have to realize that, that God is with you, God's gonna be there for you. Maybe not to change your circumstance, but to get you through mm. your circumstance. And this is what he was seeing, and he thrived with him. He said, the Lord was with Joseph, and that he prospered, and that he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Mm. And this is a remarkable thing, because he was probably yeah. going to a place that he didn't speak the language. No. So here's somebody who he had to learn what was going on enough mm -hmm. for, the, for Potiphar to put him as the head of his household. Yeah, and what's incredible is that in every environment Joseph is in, and all of the environments are not particularly favorable, right? Started in the pit, and now he's got a little bit of a, he's got things that are coming together for him a little bit, but in every environment he's in, God gave him favor. I mean, he's doing good. It's, it, here's, here's what you see in Joseph's life, and you see this, see if this happens for you too. You find yourself enjoying the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. <laughs> you ever had that experience? Where you can point to something that's terrible in your life, and then you get home and you look at healthy kids. 
And you say, thank God, I love my babies. I'm glad they're all good, right? I mean, things can be spinning out of control, but you can find something positive in any experience that you're going through in life. So here's Joseph, you know, he's going through this, but God is with him. He's going through that, but God favors him. And, and I think when you think about it this way, God might've been using that to keep his spiritual equilibrium, right? Mm -hmm. That it wasn't too much of this and not too much of that. It was just enough of both to kind of keep him balanced, to keep him uh, interdependent upon right. God. And so you have this relationship now where he's pulled him out of the pit, uh, he's got him away from those Midianites, and now Potiphar sees him, he, he's a good looking kid, he's got a lot of gifts and abilities, uh, so Potiphar puts him over his house, Rob. That's it, Potiphar was impressed. Yeah. But what we see, the next problem arise because um, Potiphar's wife was also impressed with oh, him. Oh, yes, that's yes, true. Yes, she was, she was very yeah. impressed with him. Yeah. In fact, Ooh. she was so impressed that she said, you know what? I think you need to come to bed with me. Yeah. And you have to realize, again, he's a slave, okay? He's a slave, and so she's the one telling him. So, he's you know, the boss. She's the boss. Well, I mean, this is a, you gotta do what you, she says. You know, and, and you know, and could anybody blame him? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, he's a good looking kid, you know, I'm sure he's hormones and tennis shoes, and so all of a sudden, you know, she starts saying to him, well, you know, let's sleep together. And he, and honestly, guys, this is another thing about Joseph, and see if this is true of your life. When he goes through all this stuff, you could look at him and say, who could blame him, right? Just like Ross, who could blame him? I mean, who could blame him? Who could blame him if he just got bitter, if he turned his back on God? Who could blame him if he just didn't cuss God out in the pit? And who could have blamed him if now he's in Potter and his, now his wife's hitting on him? Like, if he would have yielded to that, you would have said, well, you know, who could blame the guy? But what's interesting, when you read the story, he recognizes the fact that he couldn't do this because God was with him. Right. He would disappoint his, 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 his heavenly father. And so he, he resists her, he resists her, he resists her. And finally it says, she comes onto him so strong that she grabs his coat and he takes off running and leaves his coat in her hands. Now let me tell you something. It is not possible to have sex while you're running. <laughs> you cannot do that. It is an impossibility. So I'm just saying, when you are tempted, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> you are not gonna get in trouble doing that when you are running. running. You cannot do that when you're running. That's it, amen, amen. But unfortunately, he did get in trouble when he ran. Oh, yeah, true. Because there was a problem, because what happens is, as we see the story, the potter's wife now turns the tables, and she actually starts lying about Joseph and saying that he was the one who actually came after her, and right. this is where we pick up the story. It says, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was mm -hmm. with him. The Lord was with him. And he said, he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all that was held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And so what we see through what we're going through, when we're having our problems, that when we keep our focus on God, that the second point, there is provision. Hmm. That God always provides. Hmm. And I think this is the hard part, is when, when Paul was talking about the very same thing in, in Philippians 4.19, that my God will meet all my needs. He didn't say he was necessarily gonna change the circumstance. Hmm. He was gonna meet your needs in the circumstance. And I right. think that's something we all need to realize because I think sometimes, like you said before, we start doubting God because God's not doing things the way we want him to do. Right. 
But what God is saying, no, I'm working out things the way I need them done, right. but I'll take care of you while I'm working this out. Yeah. And that's what Potiphar was saying. Yeah, it's, it's provision. When you think about God's provision, you, you think, don't just think about it in terms of material provision. God provides so much more than that. Mm-hmm. He provides grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God that, that gets you through what you're going through. He provides strength. Sometimes you, you just don't have enough strength. It's like the guy that says, I've got so much to do today, I gotta go back to bed. <laughs> you had one of those days? <laughs> but God gives him strength to get out of bed. He gives him strength to face the day. So when you look at Joseph's life, everything he needed to get him through the situation, God provided. And oftentimes, that's why he said, take no thought in Matthew five. Remember, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. And then he says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Meaning that you and I have enough to deal with today without borrowing on the challenges of tomorrow. And by the way, God will not give you what you need to get you through tomorrow. He'll give you what you need to get you through the day. How was the prayer that Jesus told us to pray? Give us this day, what kind of bread? Our daily daily bread, right? He didn't say give us a week's worth or a month's worth. He said give us what we need to get us through what we're going through. You, you have what you need to get you through what you're going through today. Uh, that's why in the 119th Psalm, he said your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He didn't say it's a searchlight, a spotlight that will shine way down the path. He says it'll illuminate where you put your next step. And can I tell you, sometimes when you're going through stuff and it's so dark and so difficult, sometimes all you can do is put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you, sometimes that's all you need to do is just put one foot in front of the other. So when Rob talks about God's provision, don't think of it merely as some sort of a financial windfall that Joseph came into. Think about it in, in, in another way. Think about that God was giving him grace and strength. He was showing him mercy. He was getting him through what he was going through because God had something in store for this young kid. That's it. And I think it would actually, when you look at his story, you touched on this uh, in this series, the fact that it was because God was comforting him yeah. through what he was going through. He was now elevated to the point where he could comfort others. Right. And as that story picks up, we see this is what was happening because while he was in the prison, we see that Pharaoh actually threw a couple of other uh, slaves in there with him, his cupbearer and uh, his baker that he was displeased with. And so this is what happens in the story. It says, when Joseph came to them the next morning and he saw them and they were dejected, he asked if Pharaoh's officials um, that were in custody with him in his master's house. Why do you look so sad today? Hmm. Here they are in prison, probably thinking for the rest of their life, and he's wondering why they're sad. Well, of course they're sad, because they're in prison, that's why they're sad. But he's looking optimistic, because he knows God's with him, so he's trying to comfort them through this. And they said, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. And that's what they do. They tell him his dreams and, mm-hmm. and Joseph interprets it. And he tells the, the cupbearer, he says, well, what your dream is saying that in three days, Pharaoh is going to lift your head and put you back into the palace in your position. He's mm-hmm. going to lift you back and put mm-hmm. you there. And so this next guy tells him his dreams. The baker tells him his dreams. And he goes, well, what that dream is saying that in three days that Pharaoh is going to lift your head, except it's going to be off your body. Hmm. He's going to kill you, okay? Yeah. He's going to kill news, you. News. <laughs> Good news, bad news. Yeah, I told, I told him that night there. It struck me when, I, when Rob was going through that. I remember these two guys that grew up together. They were friends all their life, and they always wondered if there would be baseball in heaven, right? They played baseball, and they loved it. They said, yo, it's got to be baseball in heaven. It's so much fun. And they made 
a pack as they got older. They said, okay, what? Well, one of us dies before the other one. We'll see if God will allow us the opportunity to communicate to the other one back on earth whether or not there is really actually baseball in heaven. So sure enough, the day came and the, one of the buddies died. And then uh, after the funeral was over that very night, his friend had a dream. And in his dream, his buddy in heaven visited him and said, I got great news, guess what? There is baseball in heaven, awesome. He said, but I need to tell you, the bad news is you're pitching Tuesday. Right? <laughs> so, sometimes there's a good news, bad news. I just thought that fit right there. That's kind of the, hey, good news for you, cupbearer, kind of bad for you, baker. You know? <laughs> well, what we see is that it actually happened and the cupbearer is elevated and, and Joseph says, when, since you've been elevated back into the palace, tell Pharaoh about me. I'm here unjustly. I shouldn't be here. Tell him about me and get me out. But what we find again, he doesn't no. care. No. And so, so what happens, and this is what you have to realize in his story. This is 13 years. Yeah. Okay, this isn't something that happens. This, this problem that he's been dealing with is 13 years. Yeah, and sometimes you think about your situation and when is the answer going to come and how long is this going to last? There are no overnight success stories, not in the Bible. Joseph's overnight success story was a 13-year story yes. of hardship and difficulty and heartache and betrayal and tears and questions and no answers. And he went through all of that. So God was, and, and you know, another thing that struck me too, Rob, was this idea that one of the gifts that God had given him was this ability to interpret dreams, uh -huh. right? It's what got him in trouble with his brothers. Uh -huh. But this gift pops up again when he's in prison with the, with the, you know, with the cupbearer and the baker. And as we're about to see, this gift ultimately Ultimately, it's going to be the thing God uses to exalt him to his highest position. What's my point? My point is God has gifted you with everything you need to be the person he's designed you to be. Amen. You have everything you need. You say, oh, if I could just sing like that or if, if I could just do what they do. No, you, no one can do exactly what you do the way you do it. And you find people envious and jealous of you. You know why? They can't do what you do. They can't have what you have because they can't do what you do. God doesn't make duplicates. He makes originals. You're, you're, you, you don't try to be someone you're not. Jo Joseph operated in the scope and the realm of his giftings, and he discovered God had enabled him, he had equipped him, and he was about to empower him to do the thing he had designed him to do. God doesn't just look down from heaven and discover you. He doesn't just say, oh, wow, bless your heart. I didn't know you were there. Do I have you? You want mine? What's going on with you? I didn't know. Spend a little time. Tell me what's up. No, he knows about you. Some of you, he's been pursuing you all of your life for a relationship with him. Some of you, he's trying to bring you back because you've walked away from him. And some of you, he's just trying to encourage you while you go through the struggles that you've been with him all this time. So Joseph is a beautiful example, Rob, of how God works in the life of an individual. And man, he was using his gifts and everything to promote him. And it was like you said, it was that gift that happened because what we see several years later, Pharaoh has a, a troubling dream and he's yeah. wondering what's going on. And this is when the cupbearer actually does remember. He said, you know, I had a troubling dream and this guy that you've got in your prison mm -hmm. told mine, maybe he can do this for you. And so Pharaoh brings Joseph out yep. and he tells him his dream and, and Joseph interprets that dream. Like God gives him the, the, the gift to interpret that dream and he talks about the fact that there's going to be this uh, seven years of, of harvest and just plenty, but then seven years of famine. Yeah. And he tells them what they need to do to get through this. And it impresses Pharaoh so much that this yep. is what he says. 
It says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Mm. And that's the third thing that we see that happens is finally there'll be a promotion. There'll be a promotion. It was crazy when you look at everything God did and allowed Pharaoh to do for Joseph. He was second in command. Remember, Egypt was the most powerful nation in the then known world. So here he has gone from this kid betrayed by his family, all the hardships and heartaches all the way, but he stays consistent knowing God's with him. God favors him and now he's in second command. He's literally the prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh gives him the signet ring, which is like the black American express card, right? He could put anything he wanted on that thing and there was no limit. He had all of this power. You know what, let me just tell you this because this really hit me here. One of the greatest tests of a person's character is not what you do with weakness, but what you do with power. Yes. Weakness doesn't have options. When he's in the pit and he's in pri- he has no options. He's gotta go along to get along. But now, he's got power. And if you wanna see the character of a person, see how they respond and react when they have power, when they have resources, when they have opportunities. Because when a person has those opportunities and they do the right thing with power, that says something about their character without a doubt. And that's what we see with what happens because eventually his brothers oh, yeah. actually have to come to Egypt because we talked about there was seven years of famine and people needed food. And so Jacob sends the brothers to mm-hmm. Egypt to get food yeah. and they encounter Joseph. Mm. Now at first they didn't notice him but then finally he reveals himself to them. And it says that they were afraid. Yeah. They were afraid. But this is what uh, Joseph says to them. He says, do not be afraid. Yeah. He says, Am I in the place of God? He's saying, I'm right where God wanted me to be. That when I was in the pit, I realized that's where God wanted me to be. Mm. And when I was in Potiphar's house, that's where God wanted me to be. And when I was in prison, that's where God wanted me to be. And now that I'm second Mm. in command of Egypt, that's where God wants Mm. me to be. And he says that line, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Wow. You never know what God is doing in the midst of your problems. Mm. You never know, but when you trust him and you keep your eyes on him, you've got to realize that he's working something out. Yeah. And lives are gonna be changed because of it. And that's the greatest thing of the story of Joseph, yeah. I think. I believe that, Rob. I, I think everything in life, as we kind of close this thing out, everything in life has a so that kind of behind it. This happens so that that can happen. This happened so that this other thing could happen. This ha- and in Joseph's life, all of these things were happening by this divine design. It's not that God caused everything to happen. It was that he permitted things to happen and then he orchestrated the way they were happening because Joseph cooperated with him in a way that ultimately, as Romans eight twenty eight worked out for his good and for God's glory. It was amazing how God was bringing these incredible things to fruition in young Joseph's life, how God was with him every step of the way. He never lost sight. He never lost sight on where he was going. I've told you this story, but we had a guy years ago in the church who drove these trucks, he had these big semis, and he would run corn up to Kansas a certain time of the year. And during the harvest, they'd hit this black ice on the road, you know, where the roads freeze and you can't see it. They just call it black ice. 
And uh, he's talked about driving through the night to get up to this area of this harvest area with this corn. And he said, man, I'm driving a semi rig. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I'm on the interstate and I look in my rear view and my trailer breaks loose. And he said, so I see my trailer and it starts coming around. And he said, my heart just jumps up in my throat. He's pulling all this weight. Uh, he's on this interstate. He says, I know that if I touch my brake, I'll jackknife the truck and it's gonna be a disaster. So he said, what I did, Bill, he said, I kept my eyes on where I was going. I prayed that I wouldn't face any oncoming traffic. I kept the power going to the motor. And he said, what happened is the trailer pulled back around behind me. When he told me that, I said, I think I've got a sermon illustration right there. <laughs> Because I found when you look in the mirrors of life and you see the trailer start coming around and your heart jumps up in the throat and you don't know what to do, can I tell you, keep your eyes on where you're going. Keep the power to the motor. And I'm telling you, the trailer will pull back behind you. You just stay focused on who you are and what God has called you to do. Don't try to be anybody but you. You partner with God because he cannot fail. He will not fail. He will not let you down. You know what happened with Joseph? God blessed him, not just blessed him professionally, he blessed his attitude. When Joseph was blessed with these two little boys, you know what he called them? He called one son Manasseh, he called another son Ephraim. Manasseh means forgetfulness. Ephraim means fruitfulness. Now names meant something. What was significant about the name Manasseh was this. Joseph said, I'm gonna call him Manasseh because God has allowed me to have the toil taken out of my pain. Now, what did he mean by that? When we say forgetfulness, we're not saying that Joseph was saying, hey, I, now that I'm partnering with God, I forgot how my brothers betrayed me. Now that I'm partnering with God, I forgot about how you know, no one rescued me. When I, no, he didn't say any of that. You can't forget those things. When we talk about going through painful experiences and partnering with God, I'm not suggesting for a skinny minute that you can forget any bad thing that's ever happened to you. I, I don't believe that. I don't think that's what Joseph was implying when he named his boy Manasseh. Here's what I found. And this is what I think Joseph meant, that in time, in time, in time, God will take the sting out of the memory. In time, he'll take the pain out of the memory so that every time you think about it, you don't cry about it now. Every time you think about them, you don't want to kill them now. <laughs> so in time, God has this ability to kind of take that pain right out of the memory. And that's why Joseph said, he looks at his brothers and who would have blamed him, right? If he'd have killed them. He said, well, you know, in the end, you know, goes around, comes around. But that's not what he did. He forgives them and he restores them and he blesses them and, and read scripture. He took care of them because he had the power to do it. So he said, God has made me to forget the pain of my memories, of, of my, uh, the, the, the memory of my pain, rather. Manasseh, and fruitfulness was just Ephraim. Uh, he's blessed me. He realized how blessed he is. And folks, we're all blessed. We're blessed to live in the greatest nation in the world. We're blessed with kids. We're blessed with so many things. Sometimes we have to pull the groans out of our prayers and shove in a few hallelujahs. We have to stop and think about how good God has been and how good he is and remind ourselves he cannot fail. One other thought, Rob, one of the poems, a poem I wanted to leave with you as we close this morning is something that's really helped me through some hard times in my life and something I, I, I've read over and over many, many times when I've gone through these experiences. Let me give it to you. It's written by A.M. Overton. Listen to this. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache, but in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away, but still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark, and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith 
my all in him, for he maketh no mistake. For by and by the mist will lift, and plain it all he'll make through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to take this journey, to be able to look into your word and look into the faces of your people and talk about the hurts and pains of life and how we navigate through them and how we grow in them. And I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room and those watching who have gone through or are going through something now, let them know you are too good to do wrong, you're too wise to make a mistake, that you have a plan and you have a purpose and all things will work together for good to those who truly love you and those called to your purpose. So help us just cowboy up, help us just put one foot in front of the other, Help us to do what we need to do today and not worry about tomorrow. Help us to trust you. And Father, I just thank you for the joy it is to encourage people as much as I can. Before I close this prayer, as your heads are still bowed, just for a moment, how many of you would say, you know, Bill, as you've been talking in this series, I just have to be honest about it. I am going through or I've gone through some painful stuff in my life and in my family. And as you close your prayer, I just want you to remember me. I just want to lift my hand toward heaven and say, God, remember me. Are you like that in the room this morning? Would you join me in holding your hand up, my hands up? God, help me. I am going through something, and I need you to remember me in prayer. Thank you, guys. God, thank you for these people who have acknowledged that they just need a special dose of grace this morning, just a special uh, measure of encouragement this morning. And with that hand lifted all over the room, they're just saying, God, this morning, touch my life in a meaningful way and in a special way. And I pray, God, you will meet the deepest needs of those in this room. Now, I want one more question as your heads are bowed. How many of you would say to me and be honest about it this morning and say, Bill, I'll be honest, I've tried to go through this on my own. I really have. I've tried to deal with the difficult things of life on my own, and I'm tired of it. I cannot do this on my own. And this morning, I wanna lift my hand and ask you to pray for me that I'll partner with God and I'll not do this on my own. Would you lift your hand all over the house? God bless you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Father, help those who've lifted their hands to realize they don't have to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Remind us that we're not too weak. The problem is that we're too strong. So many times we don't trust you until we're finally just so broken down that we have no other choice. So help us to realize, Lord, that you only want for us what we would want for us if we just knew what you know. So God, help us to trust you. If there's one someone in this room who's never received you as Savior, even watching the services later, if they've never received you, may they humble their heart and say, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I can't do it. I trust you with all that is in me. I receive you today. May that be their prayer. And for those who need someone to pray for them before they go home, I pray they'll find their way here to the front. Let one of these incredible people spend a moment and encourage them and pray for them before they go. Thank you, Father, for the joy of knowing Jesus. Thank you for these incredible people who've been a part of the service today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.